I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Biden to forgive student loans, surrendering American sovereignty to who, and I know correct English, if it were for a person, I'd be saying to whom, I mean to who, the World Health Organization, uh, Otero County, New Mexico, latest election fraud cesspool, and leftists cannot refute the 2000 Mules movie. Of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, health care freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk with you today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Once in a while, I mean to comment about those opening pictures I put up. The very last one that's in the little montage before we get rolling, that is of Ted Cruz. And you can tell by looking at it, uh, he looks a lot younger than he does now, and so do I. Uh, that was working his first campaign for Senate uh, in Texas, his, you know, which he did succeed in winning. And it's fun to kind of watch over the years how these people, uh, to see pictures from the past uh, of these great people. I also want to regularly, and promise I would actually to the musicians, uh, give credit to the incredibly wonderful music that we play on this show, that I am America. I am America, that method, that message that basically says, you know, America, the government is not the people, not the elected officials, not the candidates. We the people, we are America. We decide uh, that music was actually written for people supporting the Herman Cain campaign as they went around the country uh, doing the Herman Cain uh, campaign, play the I am America song. Love, love, love that music so very much. Okay, so on Biden to forgive student loans. I first want to play us a tiny little clip of what Biden had to say about forgiving student loans, and then we'll talk about him. Look, uh, number one, uh, one first thing we did was reform the system that was in place that didn't work for anybody, that allowed people to write off debt if they engaged in public service. We have almost a million, 785, don't hold me the exact number, I'll get the number, 700 and some thousand have had debt forgiven, their whole debt forgiven because of their work, working in either as teachers or other means by which they qualify. And we continue to make that easier. Secondly, I am considering dealing with some debt reduction. I am not considering $50,000 debt reduction, but I'm in the process of taking a hard look at whether or not there are going to, there will be additional debt forgiveness. And uh, I'll have an answer on that in the next couple of weeks. How high are you looking Thank up? you point out something about this whole story. This may be, um, you know, I use this expression in the show sometimes, a PGO. My best friend from law school used to say a PGO was a pointed glimpse into the obvious. When she would say something really obvious, this may be a PGO. Well, this may be a PGO, but Joe Biden is not considering student loan forgiveness at any level out of niceness, kindness, generosity, or any good quality. This is pure, raw, political calculation by the Biden administration, by the leftists who endlessly propose things like this, that there's going to be more voters turning out for the Democrat Party if the Democrat Party's in power at the time they put in place loan forgiveness. It is, a pure, it is not kindness, it is not generosity, a pure, raw political calculation by Biden and team that if we can just get more people feeling indebted to or grateful to the government because their student loan was forgiven, uh, then you get more voters. It's a, it's a very ugly and raw political motive. But I, you know, I want to talk about this a little bit more before wrapping up the first five to say, in America, we've had you know, college costs go up, go down. It costs money to go to college. It costs money to live there, to buy your books, to you know, pay for your room and board and all that. And, co and college costs have gone up. They really have. But so this cause, when people who actually look at the economy, look at the economics of it, it's caused some people to say, you know, actually, um, I'm not sure I can afford college. Or the way I better pay for college is by going part-time at night while I stay employed during the daytime so I have a paycheck. 
or I'm going to choose this less, less expensive local junior college for the first year, second year, or whatever, uh, because I don't want to have a giant debt. Other people made responsible decisions. The group of students that the Democrats are targeting are those who have massive student debt because they went to high-ranking universities, expensive universities, many of them, not all, many of them, and just built up mountains of debt with no thought, no calculation, no even preparation, at least for some of them, of, of a thought about how am I going to pay for this. But the Democrats are not thinking about that. The people pushing student loan forgiveness, they are able to make this pitch in the kindest terms. Hiawatha from Senator, Senator Hiawatha from Massachusetts, a big one on this, pushing student loan forgiveness. What they're really saying is we reward irresponsibility. We will rescue you from your own impossibly irresponsible decisions. And we don't care that the, essentially the rest of the taxpayers actually end up paying for this problem you've created. Because as I try to remind people all the time, the government has no money. No government entity at any level actually has its own money. They don't earn money. They don't have money to spend. They have money to dole out because they engage in taxation of again, people who work hard to earn money or businesses who work hard to earn money. Now, government get you know, some money from other sources, fines and penalties, but it's still coming from the people. So when Joe Biden says, we're going to look at loan forgiveness, you know, maybe not the whole thing, but some, he's saying other people who made more responsible decisions, people who worked hard to earn money, essentially are going to end up paying this debt that you students created. And when I say that, obviously I don't mean that every taxpayer is going to have to get a little bit of money added to their taxes this year to directly go to cover loan forgiveness. It's that, it's that all the money collected by the federal government goes into a big fat pile and the government uh, in form of the Republicans and Democrats in the House and Senate who do all the spending there is, they look at that as their some of them, most of them, as their piggy bank, as their, oh my gosh, look at all the money we brought in from hardworking Americans. It's kind of our piggy bank. And so we're just going to write a check here and cover this cost here and cover this expense here. It is as though no one ever worked hard to earn that money. The money's just sitting in a big pile to be spent as though these senators and, and House members want it spent. But it also sends a message beyond sending a message to the responsible Americans of, well, I guess I shouldn't, you know, of, boy, weren't you dumb or, you know, kind of, weren't you silly to choose a responsible path to pay for your college, to go to junior college, to go part-time, to choose a less expensive university. So you were foolish because you could have gone the expensive one and you too would get this free money from government. So you're sending that message to responsible people, but you're also sending a terrible message to the people who accrued this debt. What you're telling them is, don't worry, the government will always rescue you. You don't really have to be responsible. You can make an idiotic decision to spend four years at college, some of you studying hard, some of you partying hard, some mixture of that, but eventually the government in the form of your fellow Americans will rescue you and your fellow Americans are going to have to pay more money in taxes to make up for the loss in federal revenue that is doled out to people by paying off their student loans. It's all around. It's a scheme. It's a scam. It is a Democrat vote-buying mechanism. That's what forgiving student loans is. It's a Democrat vote-buying mechanism. And even though they find nice ways to explain it and find nice ways to say, well, it's not, you know, we're just trying to help people. It only helps the people irresponsible. It only punishes the people who were responsible and leaves everyone thinking, the worst of all of this, leaves everyone thinking that that's the job of government. To rescue me, to pay for my life's needs, to pay my bills I can't pay, to take care of me, to treat me as a helpless child. That is the message of the Democrat Party. Understand, this is how it is, is identical in the motivation the left has when they increase spending on social, uh, on government spending programs, on government assistance programs, welfare, food stamps, aid to families with dependent children, money that goes to for low-income housing, all of that 
kind as you may think it sounds when they say it. These are raw political calculations by the left that everybody who receives the money that the left took from other people in taxes and is turning over to them, that somehow those people will turn out to be long-term Democrat voters, and sadly, they're probably right. So I would love to hear more voices out of the GOP in Washington, serious uh, conservative leaders around the country just saying, we cannot, we cannot rescue the student loan uh, debt holders without extending that. Well, what about my debt? What about I can't pay for my house? What about I can't pay for my car? What about I can't pay for anything else? There is nothing that justifies the government's focus on student loans and paying those back for the students versus any other debt that many Americans have. And many Americans are burdened with debt. They are. And some Americans will declare bankruptcy. And you can be relieved of your debt if you declare bankruptcy. But then you have to deal with the consequences of that decision, too. This is how it should work in a country, America, where we actually are not yet socialist. We are supposed to be a free market country. We actually are supposed to tout and applaud the virtue of self-reliance and taking care of yourself. These are what the idea, among the many ideas upon which America was founded. And Joe Biden and nobody else in Washington has any business telling you, don't worry, we're going to find a way to pay back the debt you irresponsibly chose to incur. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, we only have, we've got to start a little bit late today, so I want to be sure and welcome uh, our radio listeners. You're listening to Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. For our radio listeners, at the bottom of the hour, at 30 minutes after the hour, wherever you are, uh, you're going to go to a commercial break for three minutes, or just stay with us. So America Can We Talk. We have a great show planned. And so don't go away in those three minutes. We'll turn now talking about this very serious subject. This was kind of the end of the show yesterday where I didn't get time to get to my last topic. And I called it Surrendering American Sovereignty to Who? W-H-O. And again, my grandmother was an English teacher. And if I were speaking of a person, I would have said Surrendering Sovereignty to Whom? But it's Who? The World Health Organization. And I have to tell you that I don't even know how many people know these kind of things or pay attention or, or even care. But I do want to back up before I get in the details of the story and address something that ties to this. I can tell you for years and years of my political activity, you know, I get interested in all sorts of issues uh, involving America and politics. And I quite often ran across people who would basically say things like, like every single issue there was, every uh, concern about spending, every policy uh, that came out of the American left, you would hear someone on the conservative side say, oh, it's all a conspiracy. It's about the globalists. It's about the World Economic Forum. It's a new world order. And it sounded, in many, many cases, conspiratorial, like they were just kind of uh, in a very, uh, you know, just exaggerated concern of a, a conspiratorial concern. And I think, come on, everything, everything cannot be about um, the new world order. But you would hear people talking that way, just as, oh, this is the new world order. And honestly, I, I, I rolled about that. I just said, come on, you know, we have policies, we can change policies. But in recent years, it has become more and more obvious to people actually paying attention, reading facts, that there really is a significant portion of the population in America, and I'm talking about the ruling class, the people in Washington, but they're not just in Washington. They're ruling class people who have positions of power in Washington, elected or appointed. They're in high levels of the bureaucracy in our country, high levels in many of the federal agencies. They're also people high level in banks, banking institutions, major corporations, major industries. These kind of alleged you know, industry leaders and financial leaders who are actually all on board with the idea. They are on board with the idea that America, the sovereign, the unique, the extraordinary, the great, the country I do the show to defend, America really would be better off and the American people would be better off if you had in America more of a deference to a, a surrender of sovereignty toward a larger international globalist uh, movement. That somehow, you know, because you're enlightened and you've managed to travel outside of America and you have seen other countries and you've seen poverty and you've seen wealth and you've seen these countries with, you know, e enormously historically consequential uh, sites and history, like you feel worldly, 
that you can among the elites, and I am talking about in the Republican and Democrat Party, in the bureaucracies in Washington, D.C., in the, leader, the leaders of industry, massive, massive spread of this ideal that America doesn't really need to be the sovereign nation that we think of it, it is. We don't really have to have America continue as a sovereign nation. And we don't have to have America be the dominant player in the world. And so we have to find ways, and we, the American people, do not necessarily need to be governed by the policies that are created by our system of government. You know, our precious declaration, constitution, the creation of our, our government in America with the House and the Senate, and the, this, uh, which are elected by the people, and the idea in America, we the people are the sovereign, that whole incredibly wonderful, important idea, that idea seems distasteful, uh, antiquated, uh, unnecessary, and kind of, kind of old world, kind of going along with the days of horse and buggy to these leftists. These leftist thinkers, these globalist thinkers who think really the smartest people in the world should come together as they are at the UN. And so you have the UN, the World Health Organization, all these international groups. And you have the World Economic Forum run by Klaus Schwab and World Economic Forum is attended to be clear, by people on both sides of the aisle and, and by politicians you may really like, by Republicans and Democrats. But the whole concept of it is that America's sovereignty isn't, and our system of governance and our means by which we make policies, how we change the laws that govern us, all of that isn't really that important. That is the mindset of this globalist elite that is now in very, holds very significant sway in America's policymaking. And so when I said I used to roll my eyes at the idea of the, oh, New World Order, every time anything happened, uh, especially on the left, you would hear conservatives say, oh, that's all New World Order. He's New World Order. She's New World Order. And you, can't, you just can very easily say, oh, come on. They can't all be New World Order. And so I want to tell you something that's happening that today, in the month of May, or happening this month, in the month of May, which, will, which is such a perfect example of what I'm talking about when I say it's not like these people are going to stand up one day and run for president or run for Congress or run for Senate and say, yes, I'm standing up for the new world order. That's me. I'm running on new world order. I'm running on global governance. I don't believe in America anymore. No one who supports a new world order, who supports the United Nations uh, global governance, who supports the World Economic Forum, no one runs for an office and says that because they know they would lose. They know that the American people do not want to hear that the elected officials or those seeking office would so cavalierly abandon the idea of America's sovereignty. They don't want that to happen. And so these people who have this mission, and, and I want to say something else about these people who have this mission. They aren't really, they would, they would say about themselves, I'm not down on America. I mean, many said America is a great country. I grew up there. I love America. They see the lure. They, are, they find it alluring to have these international globalist billionaire jet-setting people who show up at the World Economic Forum and, and Davos and all these international meetings. They see them as kind of, as, as not just, uh, you know, prominent and wealthy, but as somehow endowed with more intelligence, more brilliance, more wisdom. And so these people in America who would enable the World Economic Forum types to take away America's sovereignty would actually say to you with a straight face, we're trying to make things better. Can't you see that? We're trying to make things better. That's why we're doing all of this, to make things better. So when they do things like what I'm about to tell you, they don't say and they don't think that they're trying to hurt America. They think they're trying to help to ultimately make life better for many, many people on the planet. And in their uh, passion to do so, uh, we have to in order to give this, this new global world order, most brilliant people, smartest people in the room, these elitist ruling class types, we have to give them some power to enact their policies and we have to give them money to enact their policies. And many of these people focused on the New World Order type thinking will very readily acknowledge that one of the main missions is to redistribute wealth. That somehow 
This can make life fairer, better for a lot of different people. And this, this people who have traveled internationally a great deal, they've seen poverty around the world. You could even argue that they are doing, they're advocating for uh, loss of American sovereignty or diminishing American sovereignty and supporting the New World Order and supporting all of that because, after all, you know, they care. They care so deeply. They care more than the selfish people who have all this money. So all this money should be taken away and sent to these New World Order, World Economic Forum, you know, UN 2030, all of those things. It's all the same mindset. They think those people can somehow make life better and fairer. They ultimately prop them up as almost gods. And I want to understand how evil this is because when those people have that mission, when they get there thinking that, that this is really the best solution for everybody, as I say, they don't run on it. They simply execute on the plan. They just do it. And so the big thing that was, is being talked about today, I cannot urge you strongly enough. First of all, if you're on the radio, come back after three minutes. Okay, I cannot urge you strongly enough, if you're even mildly interested in this, to go to our website, americacanbetalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down a list of links. You can see a link to part of what is occurring. And this is a Joe Biden, done by Joe Biden, effort that is now going to be voted on in the, um, uh, in, at uh, the World Health Organization. And it's, it was something that Joe Biden put in there. And I want you to read what Joe Biden, or rather hear, what Joe Biden is trying to do to the sovereignty of the American people, to the right of the American people to control their own health care. Understand, this is not just speculation, maybe Biden will do this. This is sitting on the desk of the individuals at the World Health Organization. And at an upcoming meeting, it's like May, yeah, May 22nd to 28th, these ideas from the Biden administration will be introduced, proposed, discussed, and voted on. This is the Biden team putting this in. Essentially, I shall short-circuit it for you, taking away the sovereignty of America to control our health care system. I want you to let that sink in. Again, Biden, all the other globalists and leftists and progressives and socialists and communists who hang out together and think they're smarter than everybody else and they understand better how the world should work, they all think this is a good idea. They are on board with this notion that there's really no reason to think of America's healthcare system as superior or the American people as entitled to be ruled by the policies that America's healthcare system creates. So here we are. The World Health Organization uh, is going to be entertaining the International Health Regulations, the IHR. The United States agreed to this IHR actually back in 2005. These regulations, as written, are intended to override and supersede the American Constitution. So on January 18th of 2022, the U.S. submitted a number of amendments to the HR to give away even more of our sovereignty and to greatly empower the World Health Organization to restrict your health and your related rights and freedoms. So coming up this year, May 22nd to 28th of 2022, this year, at the 75th meeting of the World Health Assembly, which will be in Geneva, Switzerland. You following me? This is a meeting coming up this month. We're already on May 10th, whatever date it is. I think it's May 10th. Uh, yeah. At this meeting, they're going to be entertaining and contemplating these amendments that came from America. They're going to contemplate them at the 75th meeting of the World Health Assembly in Geneva, May 22nd through 28th. And then they're going to vote on these amendments to the IHR, the International Health, International Health Regulations, among the things that they, um, that they include. And I'm going to come back to the point about the United States Senate and its role in treaties. We'll come back to that. Uh, welcome back to our radio listeners. This is Debbie Georgias, America Can We Talk. We're talking about what Joe Biden is trying to pull off at the World Health Organization. 
while you are busy living your lives and taking care of your kids and driving to soccer practice and doing your job and taking care of paying your rent and your mortgage, Joe Biden is selling the sovereignty of America. Not even selling, just pretty much giving it away. So these amendments are to be voted on, as I say, very soon. Um, and then we have, actually, We America has already agreed to abide by these IHR, International Health Regulations, by virtue of our membership in the United Nations and the UN. So we've already given away some sovereignty by simply doing this. But what the idea of this is, is to, um, this vote will appear to say to the American people and every other country that signs on, you're giving away your health care sovereignty. It is, in addition to the amendments, the World Health Organization has set up an international, excuse me, intergovernmental negotiating body, intergovernmental negotiating body that's actively negotiating an international treaty on pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. So this international group, I was just trying to help, don't worry, this, the WHO, World Health Organization, has set up an intergovernmental negotiating body that is actively negotiating an international treaty on pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response, and it will include various surrendering of America's sovereignty to this group that will have the opportunity and the right to declare when we're in a pandemic. So we had, of course, the uh, pandemic or the big problem with COVID. We had doctors very early on saying this isn't really a pandemic. And most recently, I, I was on the phone this morning for an hour with a very prominent nationally known doctor uh, who was saying, you know, the COVID uh, episode, even if you want to call it a pandemic, episode has been done, gone for months. I mean, it, it, we, we're not in a COVID pandemic. We haven't been now for quite a while. But he was talking about how these doctors groups are aware of more and more planning for the future around pandemics, whether you think they are created in a bio lab, which COVID was, uh, or they may occur naturally, but the whole concept is planning around how you deal with them, which forever and a day is going to mean the government trying to decide what rights you should have and how much freedom you have during a pandemic. So this pandemic treaty is, is, is being seen by many as a sophisticated diversion to confuse people and to get them to ignore the immediate concern, which is the amendments to the IHR being considered uh, by the World Health Assembly. And I want to tell you something else about this. Normally, here in America, if we follow the Constitution, we have provisions in the Constitution that do not let Joe Biden or any other president unilaterally waltz off and surrender American sovereignty. We actually don't let that happen. We try to prevent that from happening. The provisions of the Constitution that say, essentially, when a president wishes to enter a treaty, a treaty being an agreement between nations, a treaty to end a war, a treaty to, to do a, a whole variety of things. Treaties are required by our Constitution to be approved by the United States Senate. It requires two-thirds of the U.S. Senate to approve a treaty. You may recall back when we had President Obama at the helm, and he wanted to put through the Iranian nuclear deal, and he was fully aware that the Iranian nuclear deal was a 100% sellout to the Iranian mullahs. It was dangerous to the world. It did not in the slightest prevent Iran from developing nuclear weapons. And because Obama had his team of leftists surrendering, uh, that the surrender squad was negotiating on behalf of America with the Iranians, and Obama knew perfectly well the United States Senate would never approve what he was doing, which was endangering the world, endangering America, enabling the Iranian mullahs to develop nuclear weapons under the guise of negotiating with them to say, you know, to try to stop them from developing nuclear weapons. But the treaty did just the opposite. So Obama, because he's got this treaty going, and at the time, this is like in 2015, 2016, I think, I had experts on my show, national security people saying, this is a full-out surrender. This is terrible. You would never, I mean, they could see the provisions being discussed, and they're trying to say, red flag, you know, red flashing lights, this is very dangerous. But because Obama recognized the Senate would also see that the Iranian deal was dangerous and unhealthy for America, Obama just chose a path of saying, okay, it's not a treaty. Because the treaty, the language in the Constitution, 
calls for treaties, requires treaties before Americans can enter into them to go through the Senate. Because Obama knew the Senate would turn it down, he just said, oh, the Iranian deal? It's not a treaty, it's a deal. Deals aren't mentioned in the Constitution. They don't have to go through the Senate. That is a stunt that Obama pulled that got America committed to the Iranian deal, which fortunately, at least briefly, America had a break from under President Trump, who immediately got rid of the Iranian deal. So back to where we are now with what, what you see uh, he who occupies the White House, Biden, is doing. He's saying, essentially, we're going to surrender America's health care freedom. We're going to give more control over America when a pandemic uh, can be declared and what must follow as policies to deal with the pandemic. We're going to surrender that to the World Health Organization, and you got to bet, folks, he is not going to call this a treaty. It's something else. It's a deal. It's a partnership. It's a something because he knows perfectly well, he, Biden, knows, or whoever really is running the White House knows, that there's no way our Senate would approve this. So this is a stealth operation by the Biden administration, a stealth operation to take away American freedom under the guise of or through the efforts of his organization, his, his administration, working at, with the World Health Organization and supporting them. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, how are we going to stop this? I will actually urge you to do a few things. Everyone listening to this, if you live in the United States of America, you have a member of the U.S. House who represents you. I don't care if that person is Democrat or Republican. Every person listening in America, and by the way, I love our international listeners. I thank all our listeners in Australia, New Zealand, throughout Western Europe. I love all of you guys. Thank you for listening. But if you're in America, you also have two senators, and I don't care what political party they are. I don't care if they are radical leftists. You should be calling Washington, calling Congress, calling your senators, and saying, essentially, stop this deal. Stop the World Health Organization. I think actually someone sent me a number, but maybe not. No. Anyway, uh, you, there is no number I can give you to call. But it's not hard to call uh, the, the, capital, uh, the capital switchboard, the U.S. Capital switchboard. Ask for your two senators. Okay, I hope you know who your senators and members of Congress are. If you don't, you can go on any search engine in America and type in, who are my senators? Who is my U.S. rep? And you... You fill that in, a form pops up, you fill in your address, it'll tell you who represents you. Call their offices, say no, say stop Biden, stop what he's doing. We don't want the World Health Organization having any authority over America and our system of dealing with pandemics. Because you have to understand, one last point before I get to another story for today. The World Health Organization, as we all witnessed under the way they treated America and the world dealing with COVID, the World Health Organization is controlled in large part by the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. The World Health Organization covered up for the CCP as, as the pandemic broke out. They, they made many decisions, we've talked about in the show before, to favor and protect the Chinese Communist Party and the country of China. So we're really saying, if we're going to let Biden get away with this, we're really saying we're okay with America's healthcare system in the hands of the CCP, who are still, in America, our sworn enemies. This is a story I couldn't get to at the end of the show yesterday. Cannot urge you strongly enough. Take action now and understand, going back to my point I introduced this story with, understand what th this story represents. It's not just outrageous, because I'm going to ask you, if any of you recall Biden running on a position like this, well, he didn't really run. He didn't even campaign. He didn't do anything. But if you recall Biden saying anything or any member of the Democrat Party who might support him, did you think, did anyone say during their campaign, uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to make sure that we lose our sovereignty with respect to health care and handling pandemics. I'd rather get the handling of pandemics in the hands of the World Health Organization because, you know, I, I think they're better and they're smarter. And besides, the communists uh, control them. So that's a good plan. We in America suffered greatly under covid I mean, in part because of the disease, because of the, and it's not a naturally occurring disease, it's a bioweapon. But we suffered also because of the conduct of the National Institute of Health, Dr. Fauci, many in Washington who leaped on the opportunity 
to treat COVID as an excuse to gain power and control. That's why they, they forced the rush of vaccinations uh, to get the vaccinations, which many people didn't want and still don't want. And to get to that rush vaccination approval process, they had to, had to designate every other treatment that was, we're actually helping people who had COVID. Those other treatments, and we've been over them so many times, inhaled budesonide, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, other treatments had to be talked about and denigrated by Dr. Fauci as ineffective, worthless, not helpful, even though around the country, around the country, doctors in this state of Texas, all over America, were doing everything they could, jumping up and down on the rooftop saying, we have effective treatments for COVID. You don't have to die. You don't have to wait until the uh, vaccines are ready. You can get this now. That, that little, uh, I don't know, precursor or kind of opening act of what will happen if we start to, that was like an opening act, but we will see happen if the world decides and if, if Biden gets his way, gets this stuff pushed through the World Health Organization, all those doctors in America will be even more powerless, more unable to actually practice medicine and actually teach uh, their patients and treat their patients with the kind of medications they think are effective. Surrendering, it was bad enough during COVID in America that the doctor-patient relationship was compromised, that the government felt comfortable punishing doctors, medical boards around this country calling doctors in, state medical boards, and punishing them for providing effective treatments that made their patients better, which has actually happened. And that was because we had the NIH and Fauci and team trying to control the practice of medicine around the country. And now you got the leftists in the form of Biden and his team trying to further pawn it off on the World Health Organization. And the whole concept of the doctor-patient relationship will simply be gone. It will be controlled by the World Health Organization, what they say and do, or you'll have doctors at least afraid to do what they want to do because World Health Organization people said no. You know, I'm going to have to skip the third um, topic today. I, I, it seems like I'm doing this a lot. But anyway, um, I always think I'll have more time. But I want to be sure the topics I do cover with you, I don't like talk shows that I listen to where it seems like the host is just kind of slogan sing, slinging, you know, oh, yeah, this, and, and sl slinging out slogans, uh, you know, kind of making overarching conclusory statements. If I talk about something on this show, I want to share with you uh, the facts I know, the details I know, how it fits in with freedom in America, how it fits in in our country. That's what I want to do in the show. So I don't always get to all the topics I want. So I'm going to skip, and I might get to this tomorrow, on what's been uncovered in New Mexico, because there's been another major discovery in New Mexico, in Otero County, New Mexico, uh, which is a, um, by Professor David Clements, uh, who has been on the show, who spoke at my summit last year, a man of great integrity, a, a law or former law professor who has done massive amounts of canvassing. And let me just plant the seed and uncovered a whole other world of election fraud proof. And this is in a little town, a little area, Otero County, New Mexico is where he's from, New Mexico. So his proof was presented last night. And I'll, wait, I'll leave that show, that story, till tomorrow. Because I want to hit one last thing about Dinesh D'Souza. It's probably more than one last thing. Uh, about Dinesh D'Souza, 2,000 Mules. But I want to first ask again uh, my uh, wonderful new producer, uh, Mr. Emilio, uh, to play. Yep, he's happy. Uh, to play this little clip. Play the Mules trailer. I know you might have seen it before. Listen to the trailer. I'll tell you more about it together I think the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Let me say it again. The 2020 election was the most secure election in American history. Let me begin by asking a very simple question. Do we know the truth about what really happened in the 2020 election? I think millions of Americans know something went wrong and they have little pieces and no one's really put it together. I'm agnostic on this question and I, I am awaiting more information. If I believed the president were a Nazi, I might steal an election. Bold accusations require bold evidence and they haven't seen it. 
We have been working on something big. Show me the money. Can we meet? I've been working with Greg Gillis. He has a deep background in election intelligence. True the Vote has the largest store of election intelligence for the 2020 elections in the world. No one has more data than we do. We identified in Atlanta 242 mules that went to an average of 24 drop boxes. But Philadelphia alone, we've identified more than 1,100 mules. What is a mule? Person picking up ballots and running them to the drop boxes. This is not grandma out walking her dog. Bad backgrounds, bad reputations. They are interested in one thing, that's money. And in no shape, in no way, in no time, is that legal. This is organized crime. Do you have video evidence? Four million minutes of surveillance video around the country. What you're about to see is disturbing. So this is uh, one o'clock in the morning. Don't we all vote at one o'clock in the morning? <laughs> On one night, this person, this mule, went across six counties to 27 different drop boxes. I call it the Mexican mafia, seriously, because uh, they, they work like that. This is jaw-dropping. What you showed is frightening. It's just sickening to me. Now we come to the most important question of all. Was the magnitude of vote trafficking enough to tip the balance in the 2020 presidential election? It's not a leap to say this would have made a difference. They have ruined election day in the United States of America. That's provable. And that's enough for me to fight the left with every fiber in my body. Without free and fair elections, we are not a democracy. We are a criminal cartel masquerading as a democracy. 2,000 mules in select theaters, May 2nd and 4th. Virtual premiere, May 7th. Stream, May 8th at Salem Now or Locals. Okay, if I were speaking in person, which I will be, well, last week, we'll begin this coming Saturday in Colorado. By the way, I'm speaking in Colorado on Saturday. I cannot wait. Every time I go there to speak, whatever airport you land in, there are mountains. I, I get off the plane, I was thinking, I want to move here. I don't really want to move there, but it's beautiful. Anyway, if I were speaking in person, I'd say, how many of you have seen the film? If you haven't seen 2,000 Mules, I have to tell you, you it, it's so important that, that it's, it's really a top of my list of things to say, you got to do this in addition to calling your congressmen and your senators and telling them to try to stop Biden's World Health Organization uh, stunt. But the 2000 Mules movie, as you were seeing there, we talked about before, it captures people actually picking up ballots from these NGOs, non-governmental organizations, private entities, picking up stacks of ballots. Interestingly, all of these people wearing rubber gloves, you, they, you watch them do this, they, they pick these things up, and they go to these uh, drop boxes and they stuff them all in. They have so many that they're, they're falling back out. They got to stuff them back in. Then they always go over to a nearby trash can, peel off the rubber gloves to leave no evidence and throw them away and drive off. Just that little intro, you heard 27, uh, one person one night hit 27 different drop boxes. And the math they do on the screen in this movie makes it irrefutable, undeniable, that just what they uncovered in this was sufficient to change the outcome of the election. Not to mention what we'll talk about tomorrow about Otero, New Mexico. But I wanted to raise this because you could, this, this film is making the left very, very nervous. They are, they, I mean, it's one thing when these nerdy kind of guys that I was saying yesterday do a bunch of data and they use, uh, you know, long mathematical terms to explain how they can prove an algorithm was used. And most people, you know, my eyes glaze over. You're like, I don't even know what he's talking about. But this is visual, visible, simple to watch, and irrefutable. So naturally, the left has gone wild. And I wanted to share a couple other facts about it and then try to respond to some of the points the left is making to try to take this vote, t take this movie down to say, oh, come on. But before I do that, uh, one thing that I just cannot wait if it really happens, Catherine Engelbrecht and then her... Uh, I think his name is Greg Phillips, the guy who work, she worked with to do this. Um, they are going to release uh, the um, names of all these NGOs, which is all these organizations that uh, people went to to pick up uh, stash houses. 
stash houses is a good uh, you know name for them for these ballots. And she, uh, Catherine Engelbrecht, says that there are many people who crisscrossed uh, went on Ruth's trafficking ballots repeatedly, day after day after day, uh, ahead of the 2020 election. And you likely recall 2020 election, the uh, or the uh, institutions, the states, and, and the local uh, bodies, election boards, had mailed out literally thousands or millions of unsolicited mail-in ballots. And again, if you didn't if you forget this small fact, an absentee ballot is when you are bedridden and you, you truly can't get out and you really want to vote, or you are in the military stationed in Iraq or wherever, and so you can make an application. You send in a request, I would like an absentee ballot, they send it back to you. That's an absentee ballot. This is a mail-in, unsolicited ballot sent out everywhere. Many, many people talking after the election how they got, you know, five in the mail. So all these ballots being used, filled out, uh, brought to these NGO places, the mules pick them up in glo- with gloves on their hand and stick them into these drop boxes paid for by Zuckerberg, who I think it was something like $350 million. Um, anyway, oh, um, you know, we might be a little late to tell you, I I, won't even, I don't think the show is running on the website, Mr. Emilio. But anyway, I don't know what's going on. In any case, um, what I want to do, because we're almost out of time today, um, I do want to urge you to recognize the left is hysterical about this. The left is hysterical that they did not accomplish the pulling off of the 2020 election without the people recognizing it. The left is working day and night to try to shut down movies like the, the 2000 Mules. They're trying to shut down any kind of advocacy about election fraud. Everybody who talks about it is threatened with being, uh, at very least, called a liar and a far-ring, uh, far-right extremist. Um, and you know, and, and more, worse than that, if you're a January 6th person protesting, um, the primal scream of the January 6th protest, you know, then you really might be in trouble. And DHS says you actually might be a terrorist. But quick things: a New York Times or somebody's trying to put out. Well, you know. Uh, this cell tower evidence, cell tower pinging, that's not proof. That's just, you know, kind of made up stuff. You can't really rely on that. Recognizing, in fact, I, I linked one article for you to read. The New York Times seems to think it's just fine. Other stories in the past to use cell tower pinging because it's so obvious and exact and correct. They know it's correct. They're driven nuts by the fact this is something they can't just slap down as inconsequential. So you have the cell tower issue being raised. Uh, there's also uh, a lot of speculation, something I think Catherine Engler even said, that some of these mules are picking up ballots at Democrat offices, like either Democrat party headquarters or candidates' offices. So uh, this story is not going away. If you haven't seen the mules, like 2,000 mules, I can't urge you strongly enough. And I want to say for one last time for our radio listeners going off at the end of the show, you can watch this show. It's usually on my website, um, website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. You can go there. My name is Debbie Georgiatis at the website, see past shows, sign up for our newsletter, become a member for a mere $50 a year, uh, support this show, spread it around, and we get the newsletters. a great way for you to share the show with your friends, but most of all, come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. For everybody else listening to America Can We Talk, uh, I'm going to do as I do at the close of every show, tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we sent Biden to forgive student loans, estimates as high as $1.2 trillion in unpaid student loans by the administration reportedly considering forgiveness of all or some portion. A little clip we played, he said, oh, no more than 50000 Okay, that's a lot of money per student. Uh, Biden administration, uh, dubious whether Biden can even do this uh, without the consent of Congress, obviously a naked political tactic to draw in millennial and student borrower class as Democrat voters. Loan forgiveness at this scale is not free of consequences. The burden of written off student loans is borne by the American taxpayers. It's effectively 1.2 trillion in government spending flushed down the toilet, fueling the case for a worthless dollar, which is about where we are. Adding to inflation, instilling a message of irresponsibility without consequence. What's the message to students who did pay off their loans? or work their way through without borrowing? Or how is it even fair to them or fair to people who chose to forego college and go to work? They didn't even get college, but now they work, they pay taxes so you can pay somebody else's student loan. I don't think so.
We also talked about surrendering American sovereignty to the World Health Organization. The Biden administration has proposed rules by which to grant the World Health Organization power to declare and deal with health emergencies in any country, including America. This places the U.S. government and the American people and doctors from the sovereignty over their affairs. The Constitution gives no such power to any part of the U.S. government. Unenumerated powers, which this would be an, not a power not enumerated in the Constitution, so unenumerated powers are reserved to the states or to the people, not to Joe Biden. Do the American people consent to having the WHO dictate living conditions in the USA? Have the people even been informed of this? No, much less asked for their consent. When Frank Gaffney and Dr. Peter Bregan, both stellar sources of truth, have been talking about this, and they are shouting the same warning, Americans need to wake up and pay attention. And we skipped Otero. Oh, thank you so very much. The left cannot refute 2,000 mules. Uh, there's a PolitiFact joke uh, attempt to go after this. Uh, AP PolitiFact others attempt to refute the election fraud evidence amassed in 2,000 mules as falling flat. It's actually even laughable. Tracing cell phone pings alleged by leftist critics to be unreliable, yet previously extolled by the New York Times as precise when used to trace a visitor to Mar-a-Lago. Tracing all of those spring breakers in every place they went when they were spreading COVID, that was all cell phone pings. That was all fine with them. Used by the U.S. military for targeting individuals when it has to be right. Leftist critics try to allege alternative explanations for the mule's behavior. Could they be election workers? Not unless they are knowingly breaking the law. Could they be friends and neighbors helping a disabled voter? If you're bringing one ballot to the box, you didn't end up in their film in the 2000 Mules. These lines of criticism are pure silliness. Mules on video making 20, 50, and sometimes 100 ballot drops per day, mostly in the middle of the night, not election workers, not friends or neighbors. 2000 Mules is proving to be a game changer. When will elected officials speak up? And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth? about America.